It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome back again, wrestling fans, the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. Jason Bryan here with you with news, reviews, previews, and interviews, and things that I didn't really like to do growing up, but I realize in my old age or my older age or my getting elder age, uh, I need to do more reading. And I've got a stack of wrestling books here in my office as, I, as I've sit there. I've, I've gone through a couple of them each year, and I just finished one called Trailblazer when I was on my flight to the Gold Coast down in Australia to announce the Commonwealth Games, that book, Pathfinder, Volume 1, by our guest today, Kevin Emily. He's a high school wrestling coach in South Carolina. We'll talk about uh, the book and some things around South Carolina wrestling shortly. First of all, Kevin, welcome to the program. It's uh, It's been overdue. Hey, thank you so very much, Jason. I really appreciate you uh, having me on your show. So you're a coach at Midland Valley High School in Graniteville, South Carolina. By the by, the name of the town, it sounds like it's a tough place. Graniteville, uh, right there right, on the, right. the the Georgia South Carolina line, just north of northeast of Augusta. And uh, you yes, know, sir. we we kind of have to start this out on a little bit of a somber note, as as one of your wrestlers passed away. Uh, as we record this on yes, April twenty seventh, earlier in the week, uh, Jacques, Jacques Hurst. And uh, interesting backstory on, on him. Um, you know. As as you told us before we started, that um, you know, not not really sure why he just fell asleep and and didn't wake up one day. But uh, what are some things that that his memory uh, are, are going to be you know long lasting within the wrestling program there? Well, well, the thing that I remember most about we call him JQ. The thing I remember most about JQ is that um, as a freshman last year, like I said, the, no one in Aiken County had wrestled before, and he was a good athlete, but he was still trying to learn. He was a freshman. And so he would get his butt kicked almost every single time. And I just said, JQ, don't quit. Don't quit. And he's like, I'm not going to quit, coach. And, you know, he started varsity for me. And he finally started turning the curve um, right about towards the end of the season. He started winning some matches. And you could see his confidence build up. And it was just so unique for all of my guys because, like I said, they've never wrestled before. And to watch him grow um, and, and see him learn and to see that, you know, when he was, he was getting hammered by some of these guys at these other tournaments, and he still kept coming back. And and that's what I remember about him most is that he stuck with it. And, you know, he was at 113 pounds last year. When he showed up at school this year, 
uh, JQ was probably walking around at 140 pounds. He had hit the weight so hard. I didn't even recognize him for like the first three weeks of school. I was like, has anybody seen JQ? My coach, he's, he's, he's walking around. And I said, where? They go, there he is. And I mean, he, he had hit it hard, <laughs> you know, he was ready. <laughs> and, um, and that's, that's what I appreciate about him the most was that he was, he was just always willing to give it his all. And, and no matter how tough the competition was, he just kept going at it and kept working hard. And, and that's, you know, he reminded myself of me when I was a freshman, you know, I knew I had the potential, but I didn't win very many matches at all. And that's why I tried to work so hard with him. And he accepted that. And that's what I remember about him the most. You're in a part of the country where football rules and, uh, you know, JQ has, he's got a pretty good bloodline there. A guy named Garrison Hurst, who are our football fans may right. know, uh, was a standout running back at the University of Georgia. And, uh, you know, you, you had alluded <laughs> to that, that Aiken County didn't have wrestling. So this was a story that actually hit, uh, hit our news feed last year that Aiken County as a whole was starting wrestling. But uh, wh- what about it uh, made you kind of say, you know what, this is, this is where I want to be. If this county's starting wrestling, I need to be there to help these kids. Uh, because the interesting thing is, um, with Aiken County, you have so many NFL football players that come out of this Aiken County area. Um, obviously, they they all go to college. So you're talking all SEC, all ACC, just walking out of the seven different high schools in this area. So, and you know, we all, you know, most wrestling fans, we know the correlation between wrestling and football. And so this was an untapped gold mine. Um, and I, I, so I took a look at, it. I mean, my folks live here, uh, they live in, in down by Myrtle beach. And so it had opportunity for me to come on back home. And, um, I just said, you know what, this is the place that I, I think I need to be. And, you know, obviously I had, I had one wrestler last year, but he ended up taking fourth in the state this year, only his second year wrestling. And, um, you know, so this it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun coaching these kids because they're already tough. Um, the football team two years before I got here, took second in state. So I knew there was a winning tradition. And then the basketball team won the state championship the year before I got here. So I knew that Midland Valley was the right place. And, and slowly but surely, it's like last year, we only had one state qualifier at the state tournament, which was my kid, my 132. This year, Aiken County had seven state qualifiers in, in the difference in one year. All it was was the kids kind of finding their way and once they found their way, I mean, we showed up at the state tournament this year. You know, we had two guys placed. One took third, and, and my guy took fourth. Um, next year, it's going to be even better. And it's just fun to kind of watch when we show up someplace. Um, we travel a lot. So when we go someplace and we see another Aiken County team, we root each other on because we have a lot of pride. But we have a lot on the line. And we're not the average second-year wrestlers anymore. Like I said, because these kids are going to be suiting up on, on Saturday and pretty soon on Sundays. And um, so it's pretty cool to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you, you talked about, uh, you know, you had family there. So where, where were you prior to, to Midland Valley? I went back home. I grew up in Waterloo, Iowa. And after I left, I went to a Juco Merrimack and wrestled for a semester. And I walked on UT chat. Um, but my, my whole adolescent life was, was in Waterloo, Iowa. So um, I was born down in Georgetown by Myrtle Beach. And so, uh, folks, my dad got a job at, at uh, John Deere. So um, eventually, while I was in college, they moved back home. And so the last two years before I moved back here, I was at 
West High School, which is the home of Dan Gable. We call it nickname. We call it is uh, Dan Gable High. But I was the head coach at Waterloo West uh, High School in Waterloo, Iowa, before I came down here to Middle Valley. So it was a little bit of a you know a reintroduction to to not just uh, Southern wrestling, but just the whole Southern culture as a whole. I'm from Virginia originally, so uh, I've got family. Okay, okay. I got family in South Carolina, and I've spent some time down in that part of the country. And uh, you know, I, I've brought some of those things here. I brought the grits. I brought the sweet tea. Uh, you know, so I'm bringing some of the best, best cuisine that I know how to make, but what was it like kind That's of, re- all you need. yeah. What was it like reacclimating to, to the area knowing that you've got to, you know, you've got to readjust, but you've also got to adjust a set of kids in an entire portion of this state that have never stepped on a wrestling mat before, not just the ones you're coaching at your high school, but the entire County. Right. It was, it was like this. Um, I've coached my kids club since 1999. And, you know, with kids clubs, you always have little kids who have never wrestled before. Well, it was, I tried to approach it from that angle, except for the fact that these, these kids were, they were young adults, um, but we had to go strictly back to the basics. And it was the entire team. It wasn't just, you know, one or two wrestlers. And so it was interesting. Um, the thing that, that I noticed I had to do, I had to scale back my practices. I had to, and, and while I was teaching, I kind of get kind of animated when I'm showing moves and I get ahead of myself. And the, uh, these past two years, I had to specifically slow down because I had to realize, okay, Kevin, these kids don't know what you're talking about. And I would have to catch myself. So I had to condition myself to, to not get too far ahead of myself. And then once they kind of uh, got in the groove. Then they started watching videos, and I would give them instructional videos. And I'd say, hey, watch this guy. Watch this guy. Make sure you guys watch the NCAAs. Make sure we're going to wrestling camp. So uh, now, because they're such great athletes that they get it, they take pride in what they do. So now they're talking wrestling lingo. You know what I mean? Um, it, you know, last year it was, so I grabbed this leg. You know, this year coach i'm gonna hit the sweep single i'm gonna hit the inside single you know what i mean so uh it's pretty cool <laughs> you know and i and i look at him at school and i watch him walk around and you, you know how we you know we got a kind of a hunched back you know and and, and, and you can tell them doing our push-ups and pull-ups and stuff and they're starting to look like wrestlers and that's that makes me proud when i look at them when they're walking down the hall I'm like, yeah that's a wrestler <laughs> So just just things like that, you know, it's, it's just the small things that make me happy. Um, and we did good this year as a team, you know, in the first round of the state duels, we knocked off the number 10 ranked team in the state in the first round. Um, my, you know, my guy, we weren't even ranked. So my guys are ready. <laughs> it, it just it just took one year to get it under our belt. And, um, you know, the sky's the limit for these guys. We, we just got to take it one day at a time. There's there's two conversations that need to happen when you're talking about wrestling and bringing kids into it uh, in, in pretty much any school system. One is, as you've talked about uh, with the, the solid athletic traditions, there is the football coach who, you know, a lot of these places that don't don't really come with the wrestling background here as oh, I don't want my guys losing weight, especially with your linemen and you, exactly. you want them big and strong. And then the other is with the parents who doesn't want to see little Johnny get beat up in front of his friends at school. So. Let's first talk about the conversations that uh, that that you had with the uh, the football coaches there, and uh, did you have to sell them on wrestling, or or was that an easy sell? Nope, easy sell because the football coach was a standout heavyweight wrestler in uh, about an hour away in another small town, which has a really really good wrestling team. So 
done deal. Before I even moved back here, he was telling his guys, I want all my linemen to wrestle. So it was, I mean, this year, I started out the year, I think I had, I had six heavyweights at the beginning of school. He said, at the beginning of wrestling season. Yes. Yes. And, and when we would weigh in, they'd look and they'd say, how the heck do you guys have so many heavyweights? I'm like, man, you know, my, my, my football coach encourages these guys to come out. It was insane, man. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, with the, with the OPC and the weight descent uh, program, you know, I assured the coach, Hey, listen, uh, weight cutting is not an issue. If they've got some, some body fat they need to get rid of, then fine. I said, but you know, my motto is this, and it wasn't my motto when I was wrestling in college or high school. I want my guys to be fat and happy, you know? And, and because we, we work out hard, we do our circuit training, you know, and then I push the guys, I push the guys, but I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, make it wrestling. And I say this wrestling is not a fun sport. Winning is fun. Practice is not fun. So I push the guys, but you know, when I was in high school, I was cutting 20 pounds and it wasn't even a big deal because I, I wrestled 112. If I wanted to wrestle, I had to cut that 20, you know? There's no way I, I would want to do that now or, or obviously make my kids do that now um, for, you know, it's not fun. And, you know, especially a sport that has never been in this County, you got to find a way to make it fun. And, and so, you know, I had to teach them the discipline of cutting weight because they were freaking out. How am I going to lose five pounds in a week coach? And I said, guys, just be patient. You have to diet. I said, you lose two or three pounds in a practice. And once they finally understood that, and I showed them what the weight descent program was, that was fine. Uh, taking the beat down, uh, that was okay because the parents, the parents at Midland Valley High School, they're, they're behind it 100%. They're like, this is going to make my kids better. And, and it was new to them. You know, they're in the, you know, the moms are up in the stands squirming and, you know, I can't watch it. By the time we were done, they were going with us everywhere we went, <laughs> you know, and, um, and that's what made it fun. I, I believe I've got the toughest kids in the county and another coach might say something different. But my kids are tough and they can take a beating. The, the thing that I have to do with them though is do damage control when we, when there's been some times where we got thumped. And so I had to build them back up. You know, I didn't tear them down because they're, they're in uncharted waters. You know, they're like, man, they didn't say these guys are better than us, but they knew that they knew more moves. But the simple fact that my kids were athletes and were, were used to winning there, there wasn't, you know, and you're going to have kids that quit every season, but <clears throat> there was no quit in, in my core crew. There was all fight. And so no, the, uh, they're getting twisted up and mangled. It's all good. <laughs> you know, we, we rolled with the punches on that. And I didn't have any problems as far as, um, oh, I'm, I'm afraid my son or daughter going to get hurt. You know, I had, I had a starting, uh, my 120 was a female, you know, and um, they were worried when, when I first moved down here, they were like, now our boys aren't going to get hurt, are they? I said, you can get hurt uh, easier in football than you can in wrestling. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and worse in football. So it was, it was a, it was a pretty easy sell on that. Once they watched my practice and they knew I knew what I was doing. And that was the main thing, you know, you can tell if a coach knows what he's doing or not. And then, you know, they kind of walk through the cafeteria because every high school in this County practices in the cafeteria. And, um, so they, you know, the principal would poke his head in there, the athletic director would look in and now they're, they're pretty confident. I mean, they're, they're all, 
you know, Midland Valley wrestling strong. So that that's uh, how that that uh, took place. So you talked about the, the the fight and the struggle and and the things that your kids had, and, and you chronicled the fight of numerous wrestlers in your in your books, Pathfinder. You've got Volume One and Volume Two. I read Volume One, uh, as I said earlier in the program, and it it's chronicles the the careers of of multiple African American wrestlers, uh, which you started getting the idea around Black History Month one year. And for those who haven't figured this out by now, uh, you're African American, so I don't think we mentioned that because yes. you know, I mean it's you know, we're talking wrestling, <laughs> so it's right. it's not like it's like today's guest is a black man. No, it's not like that. Right. But, but uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Pathfinder, the idea, and and what it went okay. from you know idea in your head to you know I to project to actually getting this thing. Uh, bound in uh, sitting here and in right now my paperback version. I know you've got them for sale at optionalstart.org. So just take us through the process of uh, you know genesis of the idea to actually putting pen to paper and then saying, oh wow, I just wrote a book. Sure. So so I was sitting in downstairs. I was watching TV one day and it was probably like um, October, and and I was just sitting there watching TV and I said, man, Black History Month is coming up and I really wanted to do something. Um, for it to see about what African-Americans have done and the contributions with wrestling. And growing up in Waterloo, you've got the, um, the National Hall of Fame Wrestling Museum, the Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo. So I, I, uh, I was like, you know what? I, I text Kyle Klingman up there and I said, hey, um, would you mind if I, if I brought in some, some African-American wrestlers and we kind of did something, a, a tribute or something in February? And he was like, but yeah, he said, "Hey, just let me know your thoughts, and 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 you know, just run it past me, and, and just break it down and see what we can do." I was like, "Okay, great." Um, so I did a little research. Nate Carr is my mentor, and Nate Carr has been my mentor since 1999. And so I called up Nate, and I said, uh, "I said, hey, Nate, I want to do a tribute to you guys." And um, he goes, "Okay." And so I said, "I did a little research, Nate," and I said, "The last thing that they did." was in 2008 at the um, Hall of Fame in Stillwater. And he was like, yeah, I was at that. And I looked online and it was, it was kind of a, it's like a 20 page pamphlet on, on African American, the history of African American wrestling. And that, it, the chapter on the cars, keep it, you know, a family affair, that's 20 pages itself. And I said, Nate, I, I think I want to write a book. And, and Nate was like, you know, I, I think that's a good idea. So I was like, okay, great. Well, a lot of people. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I knew that Bobby Douglas had done some his historical research and talked to some of these guys. Um, but they were like, man, you need to talk to Bobby Douglas. They kept saying that. And I was like, well, okay, but why? And they said, man, he, he researched it all the way back to Africa. And I was like, hmm. So I got online, the, you know, the, the miracle of the Internet. I got online. And I did my own research because I didn't want to duplicate Coach Douglas. And so I found out that, you know, wrestling started in, in Nubia. And, you know, and, and I was like, whoa. And so I followed the progression. And I was like, okay, all right. So that was the first chapter. It was a, a history lesson. I was like, all right, where do we go from here? The first African-American national qualifier, okay, Harold Henson. And so I went on, went on uh, Facebook and or, or in, on the internet, and I looked up his his um, his lineage and saw that he has a daughter that's still alive in in Virginia. So I called her. I told her what I was doing. She was like, "Yeah." And then so I kind of took it forward a little bit. I, I, the first three chapters are in order, and after that, I 
tried to figure out who the first African-American national champ was, Cy Roberts. And actually, he's the first African-American state champ in Iowa as well, in Westford University, Iowa. So those first three chapters are specifically in chronological order um, as far as success. And then I kind of bounced around a little bit, you know. I kind of made it exciting, and I think you can attest to this. A couple of those chapters, you, you probably didn't – well, you probably – I don't know, a couple of the guys in there you might not have known. Um, I don't know if you knew about the Harvey Twisters, um, but then uh, John Meeks, you know, the first and only African-American four-timer, you know, in Iowa. So so I did some stories that were kind of like, dang, I didn't know that. And the guys in the book even said, even and Coach Quint with the Harvey Twisters, he read the book and he said, Kevin, I didn't know some of these things. And I just, I wanted to tell some different stories Everybody in wrestling knows Jordan Burroughs, you know, and, you know, uh, most people know uh, Kenny Mondays and the Kevin Jacksons, um, but they don't know their complete story. They don't know the struggles they went through. You know, they know how successful they were. So I just kind of picked, uh, you know, a few people here and I picked the two females, uh, Alexis Porter and, and Takara Montgomery. Um, and so I made volume one kind of, okay, yeah, I know that, but whoa. I never even heard of them before, and, and, you know, and then when I jumped into volume two, oh, well, let me, let me not, uh, so, so anyway, I wrote those books, I, I wrote those chapters, and I kept doing more and more research, and I got up to about 20 interviews, and uh, next thing you know, Black History Month had came and went, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, well, there goes my idea, and so then, I put myself on a, on a time schedule and I was like, Kevin, if you try to rush this, you're going to mess it up. So I said, you know what? Stop. I, I put, I believe, uh, 12 chapters, I think it is, in, in volume one. And then the rest of me, yeah, 12 chapters. And then I said, you know what, Kev? Just wait till next year and put out volume two. So um, what I did, I, I hate writing. I hate writing. I barely graduated from college because I didn't want to write my senior paper. I tried to beg my professor. I said, listen, if I don't turn this paper in, will I still pass? And he said, I said, because I got a D. He goes, no, I'll fail you. <laughs> so, so I was like, how am I going to do this? Well, being a teacher, uh, you know, there's very smart English teachers at school. So I would write the paper. And one of the, the department head in English, she turned me on to one of her friends who was a, a Latin teacher, retired Latin teacher who's an editor. And so I would write these chapters. I'd write them from my heart. I'd write them from the interviews. Each each wrestler, I would call them, explain everything, and they would. I would record it, write it down. I would send it back to them so that they could make the corrections. Then I'd send it to my editor, and the next thing you know, I had a book, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> and it was so it was so hard to believe. Somebody it wasn't who a matter didn't of, who didn't want to write their senior paper just wrote a book. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It, it freaked me out. I was like, no way did you just do this, Kevin. You know, now it took several hours. But but the thing was, Jay, the thing was, if you do something you're passionate about, you know what I mean? It, it's not hard at all. And I can honestly say, was it hard writing this book? No. I wrote from my heart. I wrote from my heart and I wrote about something I love. And then I had a really smart editor that, that tweaked the words. And in each chapter that I did, I was like, John, how is my writing? He said, Kevin, it's getting better. And I was like, well, man, okay. And I just kept, and you know, and I think you can tell, I wrote from my heart. 
you know, there's all kinds of different books, different genres, you know, and, and, and one of the English teachers, when I, when I, we did literature night, she goes, well, well, what type of genre are you writing from? What, what is your writing style? I said, I wrote from my heart. I don't know if that's a writing style. <laughs> and, um, so that's how, it, that's how it all played out. And, 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 you know, I'm extremely proud of it. And, and, you know, like I, I've said a lot of times, the wrestlers that, that, you know, I sent every wrestler a copy and, and while I was doing it, you know, it's like Jamil Kelly, you know, Jaden Cox, they were like, Hey, Kevin, thanks. Coach Douglas, and he's written uh, six or seven books. He got, got a copy of both of them. He said, I, he said, this is awesome. He said, thanks for doing it. He said, thanks for being an ambassador for the sport. And that's come from Coach Douglas. And that was pretty huge for me. Um, you know, Mark Slavesser, you know, that, that's up there in Minnesota. You know, his story has not really been told. It's in volume two, the way a lot of people, you know, didn't know. And I had a couple of people say, man, I, I forgot all about that guy. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve to be forgotten, you know, especially coming out of Minnesota the way he did, you know, and, and doing what he did. You know, before Mark Hall, he was the Mark Hall before there was Mark Hall, you know, and I, and I allude to that in his chapter. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how it manifested. I just, I wrote from my heart and, and, and when it comes out like that, you can't go wrong when you write it from your heart because it's, it's, it's you, it's everything that, that you want, everything you put into it and like it or not, it's, it's what you've done. And, and I didn't, I didn't use a blueprint. I didn't copy anybody because I didn't want to. I didn't want it to seem like, yeah, that book's okay, but it's kind of like this other book. You know what I mean? No, <clears throat> I just, I, I wrote two books that had never been written before. And so I could give back because clearly, you know, I'm, I'm not on the New York Times bestseller, you know, list yet, <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know, with, with, with help from guys like you, you know, but I mean, I self-published it. I self-published it. Obviously, I paid out of my pocket. I have no literary agent, uh, no publishing company. Um, just I just self-published it. You know, I, I paid my paid my my editor. Uh, you know, on a teacher's salary. And when I do book signings, I go to wrestling tournaments. Those are my book signings, and I'm very proud of it. Um, and that's you know that's that's just hard work as a wrestler. And that's the thing. I did this as a wrestler, and I grinded. And you know, nothing nothing was given to me. When I get a shipment in, you know, I can't order a thousand books at a time. You know, I order, you know, 10 books here, 50 books here. And I take the show on the road and I set up at a wrestling term and I watch and I sell my book and I tell my story and, and I honor these guys and people appreciate that. You know, it doesn't even just like, it doesn't matter what color they are. We appreciate good wrestling. Um, and, and a friend of mine said, well, are you just going to write African-American books? And I was like, no, I got, I got a couple more coming out. You know, I'm, I'm going to work on a book for next year called King of the Mat, which will be the most successful high school wrestling coaches in the country, you know, from, you know, from not, not just recently, but I just want to keep writing about wrestling because it's fun. <laughs> so when you look at the makeup of your it. team, so <laughs> When you look at the makeup of your team and you got you know new kids to the sport of wrestling, uh, demographically, how how is your team made up? Is it a predominantly African American school? No, no, it's um. So we had thirty, we had about thirty five kids to start out. I'd say it's uh, say probably about fifteen fifteen percent uh, minority. It's fifteen twenty percent minority. Okay, and then what um, about the makeup of your wrestling yeah. team? 
Oh, you're talking about the school or the, or the, my wrestling team? Both of them. Oh, okay. Oh, still so no, the school, I'd say the school's probably about, about 35% minority. Um, and so, so you're talking about 35 kids on my team. Like I said, it's probably about, I probably had about four, four or five African-Americans on the team. So it's, I mean, it, it's a good, it's a good mix. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, like I said, I, and I had two girls on the team also. So, um, it, it's a, it's a fair deal, you know, and the best thing about Midland Valley, it's a, see, this is, this is the mill town. And back in the early 2000s, they had that train accident where that, uh, that chlorine spilled and it killed 12 people. And a lot of the businesses in this town, uh, they, they shipped, they went overseas, they shut the mills down. So this, this town is old, very, very old. And with, with any mill town, they're tough. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're just tough. They're like, you know, just the same as being out in the country. Um, these, these, these kids in this town, they're resilient and they've been through a lot. You know, you're talking about their fathers, their father's fathers, their great, great grandfathers worked in these mills and a lot of these mills are shut down. So they have to reinvent themselves. You know what I mean? And, um, so yeah, no, these are just, these tough kids, man. And, uh, from all walks of life. And then you, of course you have, you have your, some of your well-to-do families also that, that live in, in Graniteville also, you know? Um, but it's the best makeup for me because nothing's been given to these kids. Um, and you know, not, not taking anything away from, you know, you see a lot of teams that, you know, like, man, that school's got a lot of money. No, my school's got a lot of heart, you know, and, uh, and we make the money, you know, we go out and we, we, we knock on doors, we sell cookie dough, you know, we, we, we sell banners. Um, and I make my kids work for it. You know, even the kids with, even the kids whose, whose parents have money, I still require them to go out and raise money because it's teaching them a life lesson. Everything's not going to be handed to you. And, um, and I do that everywhere I go and I, and I make sure I'm like, you know, if, 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 if your parents want to write a check for the wrestling fee, fine, but you're going to fundraise also because you got somebody, you got your teammate right next to you whose parents can't write a check. And so you might have to help them out and nobody had a problem with it. So that's the makeup of the team. <laughs> As we turn back and, and talk about the book, the reason I, I asked that question, I was mm -hmm. curious on how um, we introduce the sport of wrestling to uh, to the African-American community in terms of we, we don't have any H – we have one HBCU with wrestling, and that is a small junior college in Arkansas. Uh, the, the last HBCU to drop was Delaware State. I grew up in the shadow of Hampton University. I went to school at Old Dominion right down the street from Norfolk State, which cut its program my freshman year in college. So uh, for, for the African-American community, the HBCU – uh, opportunity does not truly exist, but wrestling in the South, how, how do you see that as growing? And then we've got Presbyterian, which is about 90 minutes away from where you sit. They're yeah. going to, they're going to launch a division one wrestling team for, for men and women starting next season. And when you uh -huh. look at the opportunities for, for African-American kids in this sport, uh, where do you see their options and where would you like to see their options grow? Oh yeah, definitely. Now, now I'm going to tell you something and it, and it's, it's kind of unknown. Allen, uh, Allen College here in Columbia, HBCU. Their NAIA they just started last year. Oh, that's right. You're, you're right. Yeah, the yeah. Allen University. Yep. Yeah, they, they had their first qualifier yeah. this year. Yeah. So, so, but your point is is very important because it it fades away, you know. And and I was you know it's like I was talking to Carlton Hasselrig, and Carlton said one of his uh, ultimate goals is to go to an HBCU and start wrestling, start a wrestling team. And 
the opportunities here in the South, just like we talked about, and it's football, it's football and basketball, you know? And, but the thing is, um, slowly but surely, uh, you know, it's like this, especially because I'm a teacher. I tell my kids, and especially my African-American kids, look, man, uh, chances are you're not going to the league, you know, unless, unless you're in the, you know, in the top 1%, you know, so play some other sports, give yourself some different options. If you want to play football, you, you know, in high school, great. You want to play basketball, great, but do some other things too. And that's where I get to incorporate the wrestling. Now, um, and there's one thing in, in Jordan Burroughs chapter is we as African-Americans, uh, and this, this is not, uh, this is just kind of like a, a general uh, statement. These kids don't like to wear a singlet. It's not manly. And, and I don't, I don't get the, I don't get my Caucasian kids. I don't get them saying not very few of them say they don't want to wear a singlet. It's the black kids, man. I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing that thing. I look funny. And and I and I talk with Jordan Burroughs about it. I talk to Carl Hasselrig about it. They all say the same thing. So that for us is huge. And I hear it so often. And I don't know what it is. And so you know what my, my response is? Okay, you're out there on that football field wearing those tight pants. I said, What's the difference? Oh yeah, but that's different. And I said, No, it's not. I said, those pants are just as tight as that singlet. And then they think about it. And then fortunately, I get to use my stud, Raekwon, who took fourth in state this year. I said, look at Rack. I said, you think he's afraid to wear a singlet? I, I said, you know what? He goes out there and does what he needs to do. And that's how I have to sell it to him. I said, look at me. Do I look like a punk? I said, do you, I said no. I said, I go out there and do what I got to do. And I said, I don't back down from anybody. And I said, I definitely don't care that I got to wear a singlet. And so I start winning them over. And it's like uh, uh, last year at the end of the season, you know, a lot of the kids are like, hey, coach, I think I'm going to wrestle next year because it's, it's you know, it, it wasn't cool. You know, it's a new sport, but you got to wear a singlet. Nah, you know, they're too cool for that. And now I've, I've probably had 20 kids, 20 African-American kids. Hey, coach, I'm going to wrestle for you next year. Fantastic. You know, it, it, so I have to sell it a couple different ways. You know what I mean? Um, and it's tough. It's tough. And it's a general consensus, you know, but the thing is, the, the more I push it and then the best thing for me is they say, coach, um, what'd you do in high school? I said, well, you know, I took third in state and, you know, and, and, and I did what I need to do. And I said, but then I went to college. You went to college on a scholarship. Yep. And what, well, what did you, did you make it to national? I said, no, I didn't make it to nationals, but guess what? I got a degree. And not only did I get a degree, I went back and got a master's. And I said, the only reason I went to college was to wrestle. I said, and then once I got there, I realized, you know what? I can get this piece of paper that nobody can take away from me. Yeah, that's a deal. And that's what I sell these guys on. I said, you know what, guys? You know, use your God-given talent to, to get you to college and get a degree, man. And they buy into it. And this is overall. This is not just at Midland Valley. You know? And that's how I sell it to them. And, and, you know, because a lot of these guys, they're okay at football. You know, very few of them are studs. I'm like, man, you can go to college on a wrestling scholarship. And that's, that's, that's a great soundbite. And I told my son, you know, my son was a two-timer for me. And I said, uh, I said, Jamal, you're going to college to wrestle. 
said, I said, you don't have a choice. I said, but here's what you're going to do. I said, you're going to use your talent to get to college. I said, you wrestle for one year. And if you don't like it, I said, then, then, then you can, you know, then you can put it down. But I said, you're going to graduate. I said, you don't have a choice. And he sure did. He graduated last year from Coker College, you know, and, you know, he, he didn't make it to nationals. You know, he came one match away. It's all good. I'm proud of him. He walked across that stage and that's a success. And if I can do that, then it's all good. I don't care if you win a state championship. If I can get you to college and graduate, we're good. You're already a champ. <laughs> a lot of champs in your book. One of them, uh, you know, you talked about the the first African-American qualifier. One, that's the story Harold Henson I wasn't familiar with. Uh, um, you know, a lot of us are familiar with, with Simon Roberts, especially with the push uh, uh-huh. lately. Um, especially starting with that Hall of wow. Fame back in 2008. I know there is a, a an effort to try to get uh, Simon into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame in one way or another. Uh, you've also got yeah. good stories about Tim Wright, whose name came up last year after uh, Jake Residori from SIU Edwardsville became an All-American at the Division One level. Uh, I'm talking about the 2017 season. He was the first D1 All-American at SIUE since Tim Wright, who was a multiple-time uh-huh. champion at the Division Two level in, in that era. As you, as you chronicle the Hasselrig rule, uh, in in the book as well, which is also a, an intriguing chapter. I don't want to give all this good stuff away because right. I, I want people to read it. But the things that jumped out at me, I think the one chapter that kind of piqued my interest the most was uh, I was having a conversation with a wrestling fan about a uh, Fletcher Carr in the University of Tampa, and then I'm sitting there, I start reading the book, and I'm like, yeah. this answered some questions. I think Fletcher Carr's story, uh, you could probably, uh-huh. I mean, with as many boys as that were in that Carr family wrestled anyway, you could have your entire encyclopedia of volumes of Pathfinder, you know, the, the car exactly. edition. But uh, Fletcher's story right. is interesting. And uh, again, I was I, I do know that Jimmy Carr ended his career at Alabama, but that's one that a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that, yeah, he 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 transferred from Kentucky. He was, him and his brother had right. a little bit of a falling out. And, uh, you know, yeah. Jimmy Carr finished at <laughs> Alabama. He didn't finish at Kentucky. So uh, mm-hmm. when going through these these chapters and stories, what was probably the biggest thing that made you go, really? I didn't know that. You know, honestly, it was, it was, and I, and I mean this seriously, every chapter had something that I was like, hmm, I didn't know that. It, you know, and, and it, was, it was at the point, it's like, okay, we're, we're talking about the cars. You know, with, with Jimmy Carr beating the Russian, you know, gold, you know, the Olympic gold medalist the Olympic champion, while Jimmy Carr was in high school. I didn't know that. I knew he was good. I knew he made the Olympic team, but I didn't know he, he I didn't know he beat the Olympic champion. He tied him once and then beat him, you know? Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't know the falling out either. And it was so funny to, to listen to Joe Carr and Fletcher Carr tell me the story. And, and they're like, <laughs> you know, Joe was like, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy didn't want to listen to Fletcher. We had to let him go. <laughs> and I go, I go, that had to be hard. I had to do what I had to do. And I was like, wow. You know, and it doesn't matter. And and, and so it's those little things like that that were like, man, I didn't know that he was that good. It's like with, with the chapter on Twist and Shout with the Harvey Twisters. You know, you saw those those back two pages of everybody that's come out of the Harvey Twisters. It's insane. And, and Coach Quint, when I interviewed him last year, he's like, he's like, there's this kid named Kamal Bay that's really good. He said, keep an eye on him and look at him now. He's, 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 he's smoking it. And I was just like, whoa, that's the kid he was talking about. You know, 
He, he's on track. You know, I think I'm right. He won the junior world title in Greco um, last summer. Or not yes, last he, summer. Yes, he did. Yeah, four. it was last year in, in, in yeah. Tampa Bay, Finland. And it was, he, yeah. he scored, I, I think, because I, I was there. I was doing the broadcast with it. And I remember the the referees and the people that were watching uh, the event, the international people, are they're talking about his point totals. And they're like, 61 points. He scored a 61 points in Greco. Like, scored like 61 <laughs> points in four matches. It was they were they were just wow. so impressed that he was just go for just you know step and throw let's lock up and let's let's roll so yeah Kamal Bay definitely yeah. a human highlight film of Greco Roman wrestling now uh, other things about the series now again I I'm gonna go pick up uh, volume two here in a bit you you alluded uh-huh. to Marcus Levester's in it so when you're you're going through you talked about the first three chapters were in order for a reason and then when you go uh-huh. down the line of who you're discovering. Uh, wh- what makes you say, okay, I want to talk to this person. I want to talk to this person. I want to talk to this person. Okay. So, so like, like Tim, Wright, I, and it, you know, and it, it's funny and people read it. You, you see probably about uh, 60, 75% of these stories start out with me telling how I, how I know the person, you know? And so the thing is, it's like with Tim, Wright. I remember when I was just standing there watching him when he was about to wrestle my teammate. And I knew, I knew he was a legend and I never knew what happened to him. And so the, it intrigued me because I was like, no, this dude was a stud. He was the first four time NCAA champion. Where is he? And so, and I joke with people, I wrote a book that I wanted to read. I wrote a book that, that there's this information that I want and I couldn't find it. So, you know what, if I can't find it, I'm going to write it. And so that's what I did. It's like, you know, with Lee Kemp, I had no idea he beat Gable when he was 18 years old and Gable had already won a gold medal. I didn't know that. And, and you know, the thing is, I'm humble enough. Yeah, I've been, I, you know, I've wrestled since I was a little kid. I wrestled in high school and college, and I've been coaching since 1999. But guess what? Kevin Emily doesn't know everything. And so I'm humble enough to say, man, I didn't know that. And if it was something that I thought was intriguing from my point of view, as far as, okay, Kevin, you know you know a lot, but what don't you know? And put that in a book. And, and so that's how I, I addressed it. You know, um, you know Kevin, Kevin Jackson, you know, KJ, you know, he's a friend of mine. You know, he was going to, you know, my son was going to walk on at Iowa State back in the day. You know, KJ did my wrestling camps. So I had personal experience with these guys. Greg Jones is in, in, in volume uh, two. And, you know, he, he, he did my camp after he was a three-time, and I was like, man, that dude's good. But I didn't really know. I didn't know exactly what happened um, his, his sophomore year at nationals. I didn't know his, 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 his mind frame. I didn't know how he came back and never lost another match. Um, but it, it, it's stories like, dang, man, I didn't know that. In every chapter, I, I believe I wrote it to the, to the sense that there's something in there you probably don't know. And that's what makes me smile is like, it's like, you know, some of, like I said, some of the wrestlers, some of these famous world-class wrestlers that they're in the book and they, and they text me and say, Kevin, man, that was good. And I didn't know that. And that's why I know that, you know, Kevin, you did something, man. You, you gave back, you told a story, you told a, a story about our, our sport that, that people didn't know. And, and that's, that's how I wrote it, you know? Um, and it's like the chapter with, in, in volume two with, with, with um, Tab Thacker. You know, I knew he died, but I didn't know how. And, and you know, and, 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 I, and I talked to his, his, his widow. I talked to his brother, and it's, it's just, it, 
that's like wow. And I didn't know how how they agile he was. You know, I talked to Coach Guzzo. You know, Coach Guzzo and I, you know, his coach at NC State, man, we talked for we talked for probably about forty five minutes. And I had met Coach Guzzo before at a camp, but I had never talked about Tab Thacker. And I got you know, so for me, I was a kid in a candy store. I could not believe I got to talk to some of these guys. I was like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I just, that's how I looked at it. You know, to answer your question, I mean, I talk a lot, so I apologize, but that's how I looked at it. Kevin, tell some stories that people don't know. Ask the questions that aren't out there because, you know, we're, we all like to read. I think most of us like to read. Well, okay, you know their story. Well, is there anything else to that story? And there is. You know, just like, you know, everybody everybody's life story could be a book. I honestly believe that. Um, it's just a matter of how you approach it and how you highlight it. So that's all I did was just try to try to just, you know, tell the story in a way that people were like, man, I didn't know they did that. <laughs> so side note, that. question about tab that. Can you tell me two of his character names in two of the movies he's most known for? Oh man, I was just oh, oh. <laughs> it was um oh uh, Finch. Yeah, Finch oh you you from, got that uh, one. See, I didn't know if you were gonna get Finch because that's the uh, one that's the one that I refer to most is uh, is okay. Finch. Okay, the other. Uh-huh. Now I'm not even gonna lie, man. I, I don't know what he was in Police Academy. He um, was he was uh, now for and, and here's the thing. He was little Tommy Conklin, but everybody just called him House. So yeah, okay. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wildcats I, is one of my favorite. I haven't seen Wildcats probably like let's see. I'm 30. I, I probably shouldn't have watched it when I watched it because it was its uh, rating was <laughs> was a little above my uh, my my age at the time, but. I think I don't think I've seen that movie uh-huh. in like almost thirty, twenty five, thirty years. So I'm gonna have to go write that one down. That's I, one I'm gonna have to. Pl- I'm gonna have to watch that one with my wife because she just loves my movie selections. Oh, uh, that's yeah. You know, and, and so I did. I did two highlight videos to you know to to promote the book. And so the last one I put it on on Facebook, and there was, I didn't have any wrestling footage of of Tab Thacker. So I slow motioned when they were taping him up when um, it was him and Wesley Snipes in the um, locker room <laughs> taping him up. And I did like a five second pan from from like his legs all the way up, man. And his his widow really appreciated that, man. I mean, she shared it um, because it, there's no wrestling footage. I can't find any, you know, of him anywhere. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure there is. But um, so, I, you know, when I took that from Wildcats, I mean, it really meant a lot to her um, that I put that in there. So, you know, I just. You know, with 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 Tab Thacker and and Harold Henson, um, I wanted to make sure I did it right. And and his, and Harold Henson's daughter was like, she's like, Kevin, I have no problem telling you the story, but but please make sure that our dad is shown in in a positive light. You know that that you you know you honor him the right way because it meant a lot to to their names Leslie uh, Gotsman. And it meant a lot to her. And I said, absolutely. And she, she was very pleased with it. And so those between that chapter, those are two that may be the most nervous, uh, Harold Henson and tap backers because they're deceased. And I didn't get to hear from their words, you know, and it had to get the approval of, uh, tap backers, widow and, um, and his brother. And then with that one and see with, with Harold Henson's story, 
she showed it to all her sisters, all her, her, her siblings first before I got approval. Um, so it, it took a little while to get that one back. She's like, okay, Kevin, it looks good, but I got to show it to the rest of the, the family and see what they say. So yeah, each, each chapter I wrote, man, it's, it's, it's more than, it's more than that chapter. It's, it's what led up to finally tracking them down, talking to them, um, making the changes and then getting them to give me the thumbs up, you know? Um, cause you know, those guys that are active right now, those guys are busy, you know? And so each chapter after I wrote it, I made sure and sent it back to the wrestler. So the one thing, the one thing I did, you know, make sure of, um, is that no one can say, you know what, Kevin, that's not right. That, that part of the book's not right. I've, I've made some mistakes, you know, but the thing is that part, no one can, can refute the fact that, well, man, at least he got it right because he talked to the wrestler himself. And I mean, because some things that I, I had mentioned in, in some of these chapters, I thought was right, or maybe it was a score, or maybe I missed out on a match. And it's like Greg Jones. He was like, okay, I went, I went two and two at Nationals, and this is the guy I lost to. I was like, you sure? <laughs> you could missed it. I missed it. I thought he went one and two. And I was like, oh, he's right, man. And, and you know, the, the, the chapter on KJ, when he talks about Royce Alger, I tried to soften that up. <laughs> and, um, and KJ was like, he said, K-, I said, KJ, I'm done with your chapter. And he goes, let me read it. And I go, okay. And I said, how's it look? And he goes, he goes, um, that's not what I said. He goes, this is what I said. And he said, and print it. I said, all right. <laughs> you know, I mean, they had that nice little feud, him and, and uh, Alger. And, um, well, that's, and he, that's putting you it know, lightly. <laughs> nice little feud. <laughs> but, you know, and he, you know, he, I, like I said, I softened it up. And he's like, no. He said, no. He said, Kev, if you're going to print it, print it how I said it. I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, man. Um, but yeah, that's a, uh, so that's it. And that's, it makes me smile. You know, Jason, it makes me smile because, um, I got to tell guys stories that they don't toot their own horn. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's just us as wrestlers. Um, we, we don't like to toot our own horn. Yeah. We do things, but you know, at the end of the day, um, we just wrestle. We wrestle because that's what we do. And, um, but somebody's got to sit back and say, Hey man, Look what these guys did, and and that's what I'm most proud of is I'm able to tell stories. One thing that this book is this book is for anybody, you know, whether whether you're yes, uh, you know male, female, black, white, you know, any any race. It's got some great educational uh, and, and informational topics here. Again, I, I picked some things out of here that that I didn't know, and I've been doing this for a long time. But again, with mm-hmm. the with with the idea behind it being Black History Month, and you've got future volumes coming. My question is again: It circles back to to get introducing the sport or, or bringing the sport uh, as an opportunity for for African American kids in this country, and you know, obviously globally. But as far as this country goes, do you think this can serve a purpose in in being able to say, "Hey, here is here are some role models"? Because you know, we've got you know where I grew up. You know, Allen Iverson was a huge name where I grew up in Virginia. You know, you've got uh, professional right, right. football players. You know, you, you you've got all sorts of 
athletes that, you know, LeBron's, you've got Michael Jordan, you've got all these people that, uh, you know, they grow up and they, they, they say, yeah, this is, this is who I want to be like. I want to be like Mike. There's a whole Gatorade, mm-hmm. uh, you know, marketing campaign, be like Mike and wrestling. Right. We, we haven't had that. So what do you, did, did you have an underlying uh, reason saying, you know, this, this, these books can give African-American kids an opportunity to open doors to, to role models that they can identify with on the wrestling mats with whether it be um, they they're from the same state, whether it be from the, the same economic background, whether it be uh, they've got, it's a relative. I mean, how, how do you set this up for, you know, I guess for role models for, for future black yeah, wrestlers. Yeah. It's, it's like this. Um, it's not all about uh, putting the basketball through the hoop and, and being in the NBA and, you know, and that's, that's great, you know, or, or running the ball, you know, and being on TV, you know, I, I just, I just wanted to show that, Hey, you know what? There, there are a lot of successful athletes. They, they just don't, you know, in, in particular, like we're talking about, there are a lot of successful black athletes. You know, we just don't play basketball and football. We do other things. And, and, you know, I, I kind of, uh, references books sometimes as it, it, you know, these are superheroes, they're superheroes. And you look at their story. Because you you look at a lot of those stories, you see how those kids started off. You know, they they started off. You, you know, some of them just started wrestling in ninth grade. You know, when you read the story of of, of Jamel Kelly, you know, never a state champ in California, never even a Division One All American, and you know, and, and I, I put that part on Facebook, and then in the span of of a little over a year, meet seven NCAA champions. One of them was an Olympic bronze medalist. That's a superhero, you know. And he's not running the ball. He's 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 not shooting it into the basket, you know. And he did his thing. And it just lets you know. And maybe wrestling is not your sport, but guess what? Well, you can read this book and say, hey, you know what? I don't wrestle, but I like to play tennis. I like to play baseball. You know, I like to bowl, or or even for the females that read it. Well, you know what? I, I, I do like volleyball. I do like softball. Well, there you go. But I don't have anybody to look up to. Yeah, you do. Hey, you do. Just, just look within yourself and look at the stories of success of somebody who excelled in a sport that didn't know anything about it. And that's you. That's you. So, so do it. And that's what, you know, I really want to try, you know, next year to get my book into the school systems, you know, as many as I can. And, you know, I got to push for that because it's a story of, of success from someone who didn't, a lot of people didn't come from much. And, you know, you got different socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, of people who didn't come from much, you know, uh, poverty doesn't have a color, (laughs) you know what I mean? So the thing is that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the people in the book, they came from nothing, or they didn't know anything. Lee Kemp was adopted, you know, was adopted and, and went from town to town, family to family. You know, there's so many kids out there that are adopted that, uh, man, my life isn't nothing. My life, no, you know, you look at Lee Kemp then. How about that? You just look at what Lee Kemp did. He was adopted. He wasn't, oh, what was me? He was the outcast at, at his high school, you know? He, he did what he needed to do, you know? A lot of people in these books were told no. So, you know, for anybody. And, you know, like, you know, asking particularly African-Americans, look here, man, do something different. Do something different. Because at the end of the day, 
you know, a lot of the pro athletes, they end up broke because they spend all their money, <laughs> you know, and they waste all their money. Earn it. Be a wrestler. Earn it. <laughs> you know, unless you're Jordan Burroughs or somebody like that, that, you know, you win the gold medal when you get a half a million dollars. <laughs> but, um, you know, everybody's not going to do that. Um, it, and the thing is, you know, but it, it writes your ticket. And, and that's one of the things that I wanted to show was that you, you, you can do other things and be successful. And not only just in a sport, you know, it's it just in, in your everyday life. You can do what you want to do. It's just like with the Hasselrig story. Okay. I didn't even, here's the thing. And, and see, my very next book is going to be called The Giant Killer. And it's going to be the complete story from birth until now of Carl Hasselrig. I specifically didn't talk about the bad things in, 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 in these books because I wanted to celebrate them. And then, you know, and obviously, you know, I mean, the chapters are, you know, between 10 and, and 15 pages, except that family affairs, 20 pages. I didn't talk about the, the things in their life that really, really went wrong. And that's why I kind of, they're kind of like teasers because these chapters, they don't tell every single thing about, about the, the, the wrestlers. They tell a good portion of it. There's some stuff, you know, about a lot of guys. That I was like, you know what? And they're like, hey, you can put that in. I was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to stick to this right here. And and so it, it, it gives the sense of, hey, there's some more to this story. It's kind of like that movie you watch and it's over. And you're like, man, I hope there's going to be a sequel. <laughs> and, and all you got to do is do a little bit more research. And um, and I admit that. So it's not like it's not like I sit there and say, yep, I put every single thing about my life in this book. No, I kind of sprinkled it. You know, it was it was pretty detailed, just like you said, you know, because I had to make it enticing. I, I just didn't want to make it a book that's like, man, I already know everything in this book. But at the same time, it's like with Carlton Hassel, you wait till that book comes out. It's like, whoa, I spent a week up there last summer um, interviewing him. It was the first time I ever got to meet Carlton Hassel, and I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I was like, man, um, but um, I got to go up there. And and talk with, with with his high school coach, with you know with with some of his kids, with some of his lifelong friends. Um, I got to see the house where he grew up, talk to his his uncle, um, and, and so I you know I got down and dirty, and he told me the real truth about some things that you can't find them anywhere. I had to find the articles. I went to the um, I went to their local newspaper, and this so this was before the internet, and the and the, the uh, reporter. He, he dug in there and he printed the articles for me. And, and so I have the, I have this complete life story that we're working on and they came to me and asked me to do it. Um, and Carlton wasn't ready to tell his story even two years ago. He wasn't ready to tell it. He wasn't really ready to share it with the whole world. And when he read my book, um, he told his wife, he told his wife, she, he didn't even tell his wife that I was writing that, that chapter on him. And he said, he said, Hey, Michelle, read this. And she read it. And, and she said, Carl and said, Hey, I think he's the guy. And she sent me an email. She said, Hey, Kevin, read your chapter. Um, Carlton's been looking for somebody to tell his complete life story, but he couldn't find the right person. We think it's you. And they said, I asked her why. And she said, because you write from your heart and Carlton needs somebody that's going to tell his story the right way. And it's good, Jason. It's it's like when I read the articles, I'm like, whoa. And it's some of the stuff that that went on with him. The only place it's printed is in jo in the Johnstown um, newspaper, buried in a file. Can't even find it on the internet. So you know, 
stuff like that. If I get the opportunity to do that, I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm, 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 I made the Olympics. I'm, I'm, I reached the, I reached the top for me because the top for me is helping people and, and, and sharing things and, and telling somebody's story, uh, because they either didn't want to tell it themselves, you know, because they're too humble or they didn't know how to tell it. And so that's what I'm proud of, man. Been talking with Kevin Emily, the author of Pathfinders Volume 1 and 2, head wrestling coach at Midland Valley High School in South Carolina. Check out the books at optionalstart.org. While we were on here, I actually went and ordered Volume 2, uh, the, the paperback version, because it travels easier. So I went there, and uh, I don't need you to give it to me. I want to buy the thing. I, I'm all about I'm going to. <laughs> but thanks. Well, I already bought it, so you you, you got to keep the money. So. Uh, where, okay. where else, where else can they find information about uh, what you're doing with your coaching? Uh, you know, you know, where they can, they if can you, read more. I mean, obviously optionalstart.org is the website, but where, where else can they, they find you? And if they've got a story to tell that, that might be up your alley when it comes to future volumes, oh, yeah. uh, where can they find you? If you, if, if, if you go on YouTube and type in Kevin, Emily, just type in my name, Kevin Emily and Pathfinder, you'll see the interviews right there. And then you can, and on my website, there's, there's, you know, my phone number's on there and you can just contact me. Or if you're on YouTube, just send a message and let me know because I'm always interested in more stories. I'm very accessible. Or you can just go on Facebook and just type my name in and, um, and send me a message. That's a, the best way to reach me. I'm, and, um, you know, it's, and if you go on YouTube and watch the actual interviews, I did like five different interviews uh, uh, chronicling the the progression of the book. Uh, I think you find it pretty interesting. And then those two videos are on there, highlight videos also. As I'm looking to see, okay, we got, I'm just scrolling through it here real quick. Okay. Yep. Yep. There it is. Got uh, it. Good deal. You got some hassle rig there. And uh, I was just hoping to see some Finch. You know, <laughs> watch, watch, watch the, um, watch the, the, the latest one, the, the Pathfinder volume two video. And it should have a picture of, I think Jordan Burroughs, the highlight video and, um, and fit, you'll see how it's five seconds of pitch, big pitch panning up from the thighs up. Man, <laughs> how'd you, <laughs> I love that line. Man, how'd your folks let you get this big? Are you kidding? He probably ate his folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you know, Jason, they said that that guy was just so happy, man. They said he was just a jolly fellow. And um, and I just, I, I really wish I could have met him, you know, because, you know, he was larger than life. He was larger than life. And, and, and that's the thing that, you know, a lot of the people in North Carolina, um, when I when I post the, the chapters and stuff, and his family, they're like, man, that's cool. They they love that guy in North Carolina. I mean, he's, he's he loved a lot of places, but in North Carolina, they loved him. They they loved him. Um, and you know, it was gone too soon, man. You know, and it, it just when when stuff like that happens, man, to to good people, I make it a habit of not asking why. But it's like with JQ, I don't understand it, man. I don't I don't understand how how a, a young kid can go to go to sleep and not wake up, and he has so much potential, you know. Um, and and when they leave you like that, man, you just like, well, 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 that don't seem right, you know, and. It's just one of them things, man. It's just like with, with Hasselrig, you know. He, he, he. I mean, not Hasselrig with 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 uh, Thacker. He, he, he didn't die uh, uh, an easy way. It was it was very painful, and he just he loved everybody, man. They said he he literally he would give the shirt off his back. His brother said he watched him do it, man. So, 
anyway, I, uh, I, I'm thankful for it. And yeah. So check out Finch. He's in that video. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do Kevin, Emily. Thanks for the time, man. And, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to follow up again when, when you got, uh, another couple hours to spare, cause this is, uh, just entertaining yes, and enjoyable. Thank you, Jason. I, I really appreciate it. And in my hand sits Pathfinder Volume 2. As I said, I was going to order the book. I did order the book, and I've got Pathfinder Volume 2, The Journey Continues by Kevin Emily. You can also, again, check that out. As we pitched on the end of this program, Kevin Emily gave us a lot of good information on his backstory as a wrestling coach and the inspiration behind these first two volumes of his book series called Pathfinder. Again, great job, great stuff, and looking forward to reading Number two, maybe as I have some uh, R&R time as I'm celebrating my uh, eighth anniversary coming up here. I'm going to be uh, heading down to uh, the Lone Star State to, to hang out for a couple days and generally just do nothing. Going to probably do some reading, going to be watching some Game of Thrones and uh, checking out a honky-tonk and uh, some some beach things down there on the coast. So a lot of things coming up, so I'll have time to read Volume 2. Looking forward to it. like to thank you for spending your time with me. No, I'm not closing the show just yet. With, with the sign-off, but this is the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, the flagship station, station, flagship podcast of the Mad Talk Podcast Network. And if you like everything you hear, I want you to, one, tell somebody, and two, I'd like you to consider contributing to this network of wrestling on-demand media, uh, putting out hundreds of shows each year. I think last year we hit uh, over the, we were close to four, I think 444 shows we put out last year on the network. Not sure if we'll hit that mark or not. I know we've put over well over hundred and. 30, 140 out already in 2018. And if you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, as it may be known to some of you. And consider contributing to the network at matttalkonline.com slash contribute. Uh, one, two, five, ten bucks a month, whatever you feel this content is worth. You become a team member. You'll get uh, some pretty cool gear depending on your level of giving. Like, for example, the $1 level, you give me a dollar a month, you give me 12 bucks a year for this stuff. And again, this show, uh, the Short Time Wrestling Podcast specifically, eh, the only ad you're going to hear is at the very end, and that is because I have a great, uh, great partnership with Compound and Compound Clothing. They provide part of those swag bags, basically, the the hats and the shirts for the patrons of this program. So it's not like they're sponsoring in terms of uh, throwing, throwing money that this thing can happen, but that, that funding comes from you, the listener. And you can do that again, madtalkonline.com slash contribute. You can do a one-time uh, contribution, or you can be one of our team members by joining the Patreon campaign. Again, that link available, madtalkonline.com slash contribute. Other things that we've got here rolling, the daily wrestling news is up over a thousand members. Yeah, a thousand of you each morning open up your email and you get curated daily wrestling news first thing in the morning. I talked to my buddy Frank Lapoli out in Virginia uh, the other day and he goes, he goes, hey Jason, you know, I go in, I, I wake up, I go into school. He actually kind of sounds like this. Yeah, I, I get up at six and you know, I'll sit there and I'm, you know, I'll sit there and I'll wait in the parking lot before it's time to go in. I'll, I'll just look at my phone. I'll read your newsletter. So if Frank can do it, and this is guy is one of those like computer, uh, well, let's just say. Before he knew how to use a computer or a phone, he was calling me about 150 times a month back when we were we were starting the Virginia Challenge, like almost 20 years ago. So if Frank can figure it out, I know you can. MattTalkOnline.com slash news. You sign up. It's free. And again, if you want to throw something towards uh, the contribution world at that uh, contribute link, by all means, please do so. But no cost for the newsletter. 
And I looked it up last night. In And actually, as the time I record this, it is May 8th. We recorded the interview uh, about a week and a half ago with Kevin Emily. May 8th, so three years ago, oddly enough, I started the newsletter on my anniversary, which makes really no sense at all that I was actually working on the anniversary or recording this on my eight-year anniversary. But 14, I think it was 13,480 news links have been sent out. That is over 4,000 stories, 4,000 bits of wrestling information a year sent to you for free, mattalkonline.com slash news. And if you like it, again, tell a friend, share the tweets, do what you need to do. I'd like to hear your feedback. Uh, upcoming guests, again, we just had Adam Hunter released. We've got Joan Fulp and Andrea Yamamoto coming out to talk about the growth of women's wrestling at the high school level. Also big news is North Central College, a Division Three school in Naperville, Illinois. Fear the Bird adds women's wrestling as its 27th varsity sport. Missouri has added girls high school wrestling, so good news coming out of the women's wrestling movement. Oh, deep breaths, deep breaths, deep breaths. Shout out to my boy Richard Immel, who has finally finished up his graduate school. I spent seven years as an undergrad. Uh, no chance you're going to get to see me back in a classroom again. Okay, I'd, I'd been there, done that. Uh, got to, I actually I was in college so long I had three different university presidents sign my degree. No, nope. bad stand up comedy for me. But uh, that's basically my calls to action and the shout outs. Uh, you know, that's yeah, Richard Immel. You did. Uh, you got yourself a graduate degree soon enough, my friend. Soon enough, that podcast with him and I will also be coming out. And uh, not a whole lot to do with wrestling, but if you like beer and Game of Thrones, this may be up your alley because that's pretty much what we're experts in. Uh, although, yeah, anyway, well, I'll throw him under the bus later when we finally get that show started. Well, as far as the rest of the show goes, I'd like to thank you for spending your time with me. Again, if you like the show and you like the network, Hit us up with the uh, contributions at mattalkonline.com slash contribute. You go on our thank you page. You get mentioned here on the show. You get stickers for a dollar. You get a certain level. You get, uh, get a Matt Talk t-shirt. It's that super soft tribal and stuff from Compound. You also have options to get a hat. We've gone with Scully's now. We're, we're getting away from the baseball caps because I realize as you get older in a winter sport, a lot, a lot, a lot fewer baseball caps than there are more, uh, you know, as you start losing the hair a little bit, you want to keep the head head warm, like uh, you know Kevin Clonch up there at Blood Round. Get a get a get a Matt Talk Scully, uh, you know, nice little toboggan cap that you can wear. You can get that at a certain level of giving. The pint glasses. I owe Rob Roy a pint glass, and uh, you also get uh, the opportunity to get those preview guides that I do. I added Division Three this year, so we've got the Fargo guide, the D one guide, and the D three guide, all as part of that team membership at various levels of giving. Again, beating you over the head with it, but. Uh, that's how the lights stay on with the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. MattTalkOnline.com slash contribute. And again, now I can finally say it. I'd like to thank you for spending your time with me because you've always got time for short time. And the Bison Turf is now open. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is proudly outfitted by Compound Clothing. Shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. First time listening? Well, you can change that by going to matttalkonline.com slash get short time to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen on your favorite podcatcher at matttalkonline.com slash listen. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.